Welcome everyone to this week's episode of In the Know with Kat Bobino. Today my extra special guest is Seema Gururaj. And how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Kat. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. And can you please tell us what you're doing as the founder and CEO of Circle? Yeah, so I started Square Circle um, last October. We launched at uh, the Grace Hopper Celebration of Women in Computing, one of the largest conferences there. So we launched there. But really what the company is about and what we're striving to do is provide women, specifically women technologists, a platform where they can grow their profile as technical experts and also be discovered by event curators, um, press, and media. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so what got you excited about that? Or what made you want to start your own business? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I think for me, um, I have to put on three different hats that Seema wore. And that kind of all married together. And that's how this was born. So the first hat that I wore was that of the being the director of the Grace Hopper celebration. And every year, one of the biggest things that I, I felt passionate about and also it was a, a, quite a pain point was I would spend two to three months trying to find these amazing women technologists to put up on stage, right? Wow. So you would, I mean, we would see, oh, this person with this big title, that person with that big title. But the point was, what are you going to talk about? What are you going to be up there on stage? What is it that you've techni technically just shattered the world with? Let's talk about that, right? Mm -hmm. So it was a challenge trying to find this, but we did find them. And then the problem became nobody heard of them after that. Oh, wow. Like, did you know the director of DARPA was an amazing woman named Arthi Prabhakar? No, right? No. And that was it. Like, Boom, after that stage, when you look at these top XXX lists, right, mm -hmm. of amazing visionaries, they were nowhere to be found. And that was the tragedy. Mm -hmm. Well, the second hat I wore was that of being a woman technologist myself. That is my background. I was at IBM for nine years. And um, so when I was in the corporate world, uh, being a woman technologist, I often wondered who I was. What was my technical point of view, right? Mm -hmm. So I felt like had I known that and had I had a little bit of um, maybe coaching or help, I would have been out there talking about the work that I did. So that was, uh, um, you know, those were kind of the different forces that led me to say that I got to do something. I mean, in two years, if I still hear that visibility is a problem for women technologists right. and organizers and press and media are still asking, where do we mm. find these people? It's going to be, I, I just don't want to hear that. That's why I started it. <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I completely understand. Right. We have this big push for STEM. We have this big push for women in STEM. Yeah. And then there's the question of those that may not be in that uh, part of STEM, like technology, but mm -hmm. well, where are the women? And right. you, you know they're there. Right. They're all out there. You just, now you're giving them a platform. Exactly. Which is amazing. And so how long has Square Circle been out? So we've been out um, since last October. So we're a very young company. And um, in fact, um, in May, we're going to relaunch our platform um, with the new version that's scaled up so you know women can actually see the potential um, of the platform and we're um, 
in, in August, we are moving to India as well. Okay. We are launching in India. Um, there seems to be a huge cry and hunger for something like this um, there as well. Okay. So moving to India, what do you expect is going to happen or what are you trying to do when you're moving the company? And are you moving the company as a whole to India or are you just going to start a whole new like an India chapter and a Bay Area chapter? So we're going to start small. As with any startup, I think, you know, we want to start with the pilot mm -hmm. um, and and see which direction the the audience kind of takes us in. Okay. Um, and here's the thing, what I, uh, you know, I realized, Kat, in doing a lot of work in the space and seeing, uh, you know, uh, talking to a lot of women, fundamentally, they all want the same thing. Fundamentally, it's the same problems regardless of where you are in the world. Imposter syndrome, that's mm -hmm. on a level that I don't, I mean, it's scary, right? Yeah. Or if you kind of have that confidence, then it be, the question becomes, what are you going to talk about? So those kind of issues exist anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. So that part is fine. But I think what we did realize is how you approach the India market is going to be slightly different. Hmm. Here, I've made it a very democratic process. Anybody can join, right? You don't need anyone's permission uh, from your company or somebody to tell you that you can join or you deserve the visibility. Right. Anybody can join. Um, and in India, we might have to pilot a slightly different model given okay. the cultural issues there. Okay. And so what made you choose India as the market that you want to oh, or re relaunch this? Yeah, I think... Uh, I didn't intend to. <laughs> I should be very honest here. I'm like, I'm still trying to figure out U.S. But um, um, so I am Indian. That's my, that's my roots. Um, so I was I went on a trip to India this past December, okay. and it was supposed to be a vacation. And I said, you know, the workaholic in me couldn't stop. Oh so I goodness. said, let me just figure out if there's a market for something like this there. And um, I was there in a just a week and in the week that I was there I started getting people um, uh, approach me and say do you want funding um, do you when are you starting is it already oh. there can I go sign up oh wow so that's amazing it was it was crazy um, and I didn't even try much you know so then you know of course I reflected it's one thing to say yay we're interested right and one thing to actually uh, do market research and figure out if there's really a market and go there. So that's the phase we are in to figure out, can we go from yay to, okay, <laughs> is this a viable business there? Right. And so do you think that um, having this platform for women in technology is needed, not just in America and India, but maybe around the globe, that there has to be a way for women in technology to showcase themselves and be proud of themselves and talk about what they're doing. Yeah, I think, Kat, you got to the heart of it. Um, somewhere down the line, something has happened where there's an opportunity elitism mm. that's going on here, right? Um, that's shutting off voices and perspectives that need to be heard. What happened? I mean, I always tell people, um, here's a fun exercise, you know, we can we can try it right now on our cell phones. But if you go Google magazine covers just for 2016, I'm not even asking you to go back in time or whatever, Wired, Fortune, any of that, 
and you go look at the images there. Um, it's crazy. What happened? Like, why are we missing from the tech conversations? Mm -hmm. Why are we missing from talking about the future of technology? And you're absolutely right. Who said the future of technology is happening here? It could be happening in Atlanta. It could be happening in South Africa. Mm -hmm. It could be happening in India. We don't know that. Um, and so I feel like this platform is is the is is a right way to bring technology to the forefront and to kind of bridge that gap that's happening with the you know opportunities that are currently either going to the same people or even with the women it's become an echo chamber you hear the same women mm -hmm. once they put themselves out there right? right and i feel like um that is the same throughout stem yeah correct. right so absolutely for my background is science yeah and you well if you looking at media perspective mm -hmm. until the movie hidden figures came out you Correct. didn't see women in science. Yes. Like, and, and those women were still more computer science, technology, and then uh -huh. actual physical science. Right. And I, I definitely see a lack of support and a lack of imagery of women in science, technology, engineering, and math. Correct. So your platform, do you know of a platform that's doing that for the rest of STEM, for science, engineering, math, or... Is so, that needed too? That is needed too. Um, I don't know of any... So there are speaker bureaus, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not a speaker's bureau. I tell people that up front. And I'm not a famous job connecting platform. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the reason why I'm not a speaker's bureau is I don't expect somebody who knows who they are, like they, they know who they are and connect them only to speaking opportunities, right? Mm -hmm. I tell women, you need to feel comfortable regardless of where you're at in this visibility spectrum. Like, I don't even want to be visible from that woman all the way to, I know who I am, I deserve a bigger stage, right? right. So that's who I cater to. And, um, and through coaching and various other uh, services that I offer, we're able to kind of get them those opportunities and stages. Okay. Now, for STEM, um, it's needed, right? It's very needed. And, and fundamentally, if you think about it, I'm a platform. Mm -hmm. I can serve anyone mm -hmm. in any uh, uh, kind of area, right? Um, as I grow, what I'd like, ideally to happen is my opportunity bucket fills up with opportunities for women in, in STEM as well. Okay. Um, because right now my strength is technology, being in the Silicon Valley mm -hmm. and the opportunities I'm getting, be it podcasts, be it press, media, uh, speaking, kind of is in that direction. I'm able to help and serve them better. Okay. But Yes, absolutely. There's no reason why this platform cannot help other women as well. Okay. And the, the platform that you've created, especially mm -hmm. for the women in tech, where are they speaking at? Where, where can we see these women do their presentations, learn more about them? So where are they at? Yeah. So here's the thing. Um, for every opportunity, the number of people fighting for it is very intense okay. right and especially if they're the high visibility high stage you know high high kind of uh, uh, yeah high high visibility opportunities if I flip hats and go back to my conference organizer and that perspective they're looking for someone who can bring who can fill up the seats right so 
what do I need to do with my women to make them stand out and for organizers to take a chance on them, mm -hmm. right? So that discovery process has to change a little bit for the women. And the biggest thing that will help them is the, if they have videos of them talking. Okay. Right? So if I could see Kat standing up on the stage addressing someone, I can take a chance on you like that. Okay. In the absence of that, they will go with Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> right. So I'm that's sure. my challenge. Right. So I am fighting a lot for my women to get opportunities. I'm looking at podcasts. I'm looking at, um, I've got them a magazine, um, you know, writing technical articles okay. and they pay for that. So I've been giving them, but that's a process that, that will take time mm -hmm. to develop them. I want them to be on TED talk stages. I want them to be um, on the cover of Fortune magazine and I'm going to get them there, but it'll take time. Okay. And so with the um, with you moving your company to India, mm -hmm. are you going to focus mostly on the India market first and then come back to the U.S. and do the Fortune 500 or the Fortune, yeah, Fortune 500 and the Fortune magazine and the podcast? Or are you trying to try and do both simultaneously? Yeah, so it's going to be both simultaneously. And I have a team in India. Okay. So um, I'm... I create the vision and the strategy, but I have a team in India to help there. So definitely my time um, is not going to be shortchanged either way. It will be 200% in both <laughs> countries. Is that even possible? But, oh, but that, you know that's, that's a big, you know. <laughs> Passion takes you a yes, long way, right? Yes, well, and, and like we said, that's just the beginning, you know, doing yeah. a U.S. market, doing an Indian market, then you can possibly take that to a Jap Japan market, yeah. a China mm -hmm. market, an Africa market, which is, an amazing which thing. is amazing yeah, yeah. And, and so let's kind of switch gears a little bit mm -hmm. and talk about what got you into technology in the first place that's a great question I've been reflecting on <laughs> how I want to answer that but here's the thing Kat so I grew up in India right mm -hmm. um, so for me I have visually seen the difference between the haves and the have-nots social socioeconomically right every day I knew my parents would always tell me if you didn't study, you would be the help in the house, right? And if you studied, you would have a very comfortable living. So for us, education and studying was not even not on the table, right? You had to study. And um, with technology, my first, um, so we had, a, we were fortunate enough to have these uh, PCs, old time PCs. And I used to play Prince of Persia. I know I'm <laughs> dating myself here, but I faced okay. <laughs> all the levels, right? I was that good. So I thought that, I, you know what, I, I got this thing. I, I know how to manipulate this thing called a computer. I got it. And in 10th grade, I actually took a course. Um, and I believe they taught us basic at that time. So it was a very specific programming language course. And I failed it. Oh, okay. I did very, very badly in it. Um, now, as an adult, I can tell you why. For me, nobody connected the practical aspect of what I'm learning in class to mm -hmm. reality. Mm. I didn't know why I was studying the for loops, the if loops. What did it matter? I mean, what was the point of that, right? Had I made that connection to something in, in real life, I think I would have got it. But I didn't. I studied it as if it were uh, something that needed, you know, wrote by rote almost, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't get it. The irony of it after that was undergrad, 
I wanted to be an architect. Okay. Um, I'm a very visual person, so I was like, ah, yes, that's <laughs> my life. That's what I'm going to do. Build buildings, make build them beautiful. Buildings. I know I could build this glass building with a bridge. <laughs> that was me, right? But um, I remember I, uh, my father sat me down. Um, and I had this option of getting into architecture, getting into computer science. And my father was kind of uh, in, in, in that space. He was a structural engineer, so he knew that. And he told me, he said, you know what? Um, it's going to be hard for you starting your own business, establishing yourself as an architect in an ocean of people. Um, computer science is budding. It's happening. I think you should go for it, you know, learn it. Um, and I listened to my dad. And I did it. And I think eventually, um, and I came here and did my grad school and somewhere it clicked. And I also realized my pathway in computer science was still visual. Mm -hmm. So I gravitated towards UX. I gravitated towards that space, human-computer in interaction. And I found my home in computer science. Okay. That's a, a great story. And I think sometimes um, parents in the U.S., and I'm going to say this and other people might get upset, they're they're not involved a lot of times in what their kids are doing and are not involved in saying maybe you should try this or this and this is a good a budding um program that you should do maybe mm -hmm. not do architect but it sounds like and sometimes it works mm -hmm. sometimes the student will go and do what their parent says and they'll love it and sometimes a student will go and do what their parent says and hate it correct yeah and so it seems like your path was you were eh on computers, but it turned out to be something that you really love. Yeah. Which is good. And um, going from undergrad to grad to here, what did you do at IBM? Like, how did you get into IBM and what was your, what was your uh, job title there? Yeah. So IBM, um, I got into uh, storage management software. That, that was what I was working on uh, the first few years I was doing quality assurance and that's that was kind of the best way to learn mm -hmm. because you're you're pretty much tearing the product apart and you got to think like a customer not like you know like a person who's actually written the code right, right. so that was great and then um, I realized that I was testing stuff um, so repeatedly and there was an easier way to not have those mistakes even happen if I had a UI, right? Because if I had a front end and I put that there, I could force people not to make those dumb mistakes that I was testing, spending hours testing. Right. So I prototyped that and I showed my uh, team there and, and, and uh, it eventually made it into the product. It was very raw, ugly, but it, it made it into the product. And, and, you know, that was where my love for UI started. And, uh, I'm you know, IBM was amazing that way, the way they nurtured my interest and my career, okay. I got to lead um, three products right after that. I got to lead, be the UI lead on those three pro products. Um, and I continued my journey there. Um, and eventually that was a time when um, 
uh, I think people realize that um, while we spend 18 hours or so on a product, right? right? So we know the ins and outs. And we were like, oh, if you put this variable, that variable, then the product is going to perform optimally. We knew that. Right. And then there was that phase where, you know, the design thinking started coming about. And then, you know, you were tuned to the fact that that's not how your customers <laughs> even think. They probably don't even bring up your product most of the time. And that's when my shifting and my my fascination and kind of pathway changed to working on um, HCI. And I led the um, version one of a small and medium business product there. And I led the UI team. Okay. And so going from IBM... And doing this platform, before even doing the platform, you, you worked at the uh, center. Did you, you worked there first before taking, or not taking over, but creating your own, right? Yeah. That, or was that the transition, or am I missing any pieces? No, 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 you kind of, um, so IBM was going great. Um, you know, I was on, on a pretty good trajectory there, but life happened to me, Kat. Um, I had a personal family situation okay and because of which I chose to resign from IBM um, so it was all of a sudden going from 18 hour working days to being at home with my baby she was she was sick um, but that was when my journey as a social entrepreneur began okay. so um, this was 2008 uh, I you know just wanted to meet like-minded individuals we went to this sort of a meetup-y thing. Mm -hmm. Meetup wasn't even a platform then. (laughs) (laughs) But that's when I started my first women in tech group. It it was in 2008. And within three years, we had 900 women. Wow. And that's just out here? That was in the Bay Area. And I knew I was on to something. I couldn't quite figure out what. Um, Although we started it very specifically focusing on ethnicity, it was for Asian women. Mm -hmm. I think by the end of it, we had everyone because what bonded us was our love for technology. Right. And I realized technology was meant to be a unifier. I don't right. know what happened along the way, right? Mm. Um, then I was also invited to be part of a think tank that focused on urbanization issues in India. Okay. So that was a transition. It's like, how did this engineer from <laughs> IBM get to sit in the room with politicians from India and she's talking about how to fix India now what happened there Um, but no I mean I think for me that was really a a pivotal moment like I had two major aha moments there one was I was seeing myself as a software engineer right Mm -hmm. I was putting myself in that box Whereas those people sitting in the room had no idea what I'd studied, where I'd gone to school. All they knew was in the room what I brought to the table. And they saw me as this creative, strategic uh, person who gets things done, who's passionate about it, and who, who knows what she's talking about, right? Right. And that's what they respected. So that was my aha moment. Why am I boxing myself based on my title that somebody gave me? I'm more than my title. Right. Um, and the second aha moment I, 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 I witnessed, um, and that's carried on in my life, is when like-minded people come together um, and, you know, they converge along a common goal, magic happens. Mm. Magic. We got so much done. Oh, wow. Um, 
and and we really kind of impact in india and then yes after that i joined the anita borg institute mm-hmm. where i was the director of uh, grace hopper for four four years oh wow and um then i went into the corporate world um because i wanted to see what it took to actually uh create gender equity in an organization i had the vantage point at anita borg institute i saw how all companies and what they did but it's like okay what happens within companies why why aren't we able to be equitable there so and that was my challenge what did you find when you looked at that um it's hard um i have a lot of learnings from that um and uh, i think one thing that i realized is expecting one or two people within organizations to be able to change behaviors yeah. for thousands of people <laughs> is not really set up uh yeah. you know to succeed it's hard it's very hard to do that um and uh, and also i the other thing i realized was um the best way to make cha- create change is to focus on something very specific and i chose to then influence that from the outside which is why i started the company okay and you started the company in october yeah. and so it's really been about 6 or so months six, since you started right. it have you noticed anything in those 6 months that since you started the company or is there a lot of women coming to you for this platform like what what are you noticing with it that's a great question um user acquisition hasn't been too hard um however having said that i'm going to completely contradict myself <laughs> what i find with a lot of women is if i sit and talk to them like this if i tell them what the platform is about if i tell them visibility is not a bad word yeah there is a way for you to find your authentic voice and it does not have to be in front of a stage in front of thousands of people and then you feel like you've made it if that's not you that's okay your choice doesn't have to be zero or that you know you're running at that 3000 miles per hour in front of a big stage right it could be blogs it could be writing it could be a quieter way to show your strength and if i have the chance in a room to communicate that to women they love it they sign up immediately and and they get it right um so i think that's a little high touch in 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 terms of just communicating why they even need something like this um and i completely get it you know they have like a full time job mm-hmm. they have family they have commitments right. and then they're like sima okay now you have one more thing to <laughs> add on to my list um and no it's like i need your help to create this change and i know they have a voice um and yes it does take a little bit of commitment but i think once they do that initial bit of you know hard work fi- to figure out what it is then they are all set. Okay. So I think that's the hard part. And what is the like what is your zenith with this? What is that point that you really want to get to with your company? I shouldn't have to exist. Okay. The day I don't exist is success. Okay. Anywhere in the world, right? Um Nobody should ever say I don't know where to find amazing women at least for now women technologists because we exist and and we have them there. So 
help me get out of business, I guess. <laughs> I, I love that answer, too. I love it. It's like, I shouldn't have to exist. Yeah. That is it's so true on so many levels because, yeah. you know, we hear a lot of things. It's 2017. There shouldn't be racism. There shouldn't be finding women in tech. There shouldn't be all of this. But there is. There is. There is this big gap that we are still trying to fill with women in STEM and changing your perception and making sure people uh, let us sit at the table and that visibility Correct. is there for them. Yeah. So um, we have like two minutes left in that 30 minutes. Yeah. Time flies yeah. when you're having fun. <laughs> right. Is there anything you want to talk about, anything that you want to tell the audience in the last few minutes? No, I think, um, yeah, just a couple of things. Um, so at least now you're aware there's a place for you to go. There's a place where we can, you know, nurture your voice. But I'd also encourage a lot of women, uh, for some reason for us, talking about um, things like work-life balance, negotiating, the soft skills, it comes easier. Um, and it's not that we shouldn't talk about it. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. But I think the more the people see you as technical role models, that's how we are going to change the change status quo, right? You need to be on stages talking hardcore tech. You need to be right next to the Elon Musk and the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world telling people what the future of tech is going to look like, right? Um, we're completely missing from those conversations. And we show up only in these women in tech lists. What does that even mean? Like, what does that mean? You're a visionary in a women in tech list or you made it to the top tech list. And um, there is definitely a place for these women in tech events, right? There's definitely a place. But we can, we got to get integrated back into real reality. Women in tech, I mean, if you even think about it statistic statistically, right? So let's say U.S., I'm just being very generous here, has 65% uh, men technologists and say 25% are women, right? So if you're in the women in tech bubble, if you will, you're talking to only 25% <laughs> of the population and even less if you're like, you know, in a company, uh, uh, let's say a company has a women in tech event and 20 people show up. Imagine you're like 0.001% of people, uh, per, uh, people know what you stand for what your point of view is. There's still so many who don't. And um, yeah, I mean, um, you know, I'd love to be able to be the one to help you get there. It's not about fame. It's about getting your passion for technology out there so the world can hear you. That is, that's amazing. I mean, I'm not in tech, but I'm like, woo <laughs> there we go. I want to see this happen. I'm so thankful for you coming and being on the show and telling your story today. And I hope I hope that this helps not just women but men in tech to see that there's women there that they're doing this stuff and that they are they're able to sit at the table, they're able to share their ideas and some of those ideas might surprise you. They might take what we think we're doing in tech now to a whole nother level. Absolutely. So thank you again for coming. Thank you to my audience for paying attention and watching this week's episode with In the Know, Kat Bobino. If, as always, if you have any questions or if you would like to speak to Seema, you can always send them to me and I will forward them her way. And until next week. Thank you.